time to screw the norms. To fit in, we often hide what's on our minds, who we really are, or who we want to be, or even what we want to do. But now you're having the right conversations. Here, we'll talk about sex, relationships, and mental health, and how they interact with each other and so many other aspects of life. Shame can't survive when we're honest and curious with each other and ourselves. It's time for your mind to scream less and for you to screw more. I'm Rachel Wright, a non-monogamous queer psychotherapist and your host. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to The Right Conversations. I am thrilled to be having this conversation today, um, talking about something that a lot of you have asked about many, many, many times. Um, It's a topic that I love and adore, um, and we have an expert to have a conversation about us today. So today's conversation is all about EMDR with Rebecca Case. Rebecca, welcome to The Right Conversations. Hey, Rachel. Super excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, Before we dive into the topic itself, will you let everyone know who you are, what you do, what lights you up, all that good stuff? Yeah, I'll give you the short rundown. So I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I specialize in trauma and the treatment of PTSD. I'm also an EMDR expert. Um, So I practice EMDR therapy and I'm an EMDR trainer and consultant. I own a training company. I'm also a yogi and a yoga instructor. So I feel like I bring the balance of woo-woo, woo-hoo, and science. Amazing. Amazing. I love it. So for anybody listening who is unclear or doesn't know or has some sort of idea, what is EMDR? Can you, let's just start with like the, the basics. Yeah. Let me, let me try and share this in a way that isn't overly clinical. So EMDR stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. It's a super long name. So we just call it EMDR. And it was discovered by Francine Shapiro in the late 80s. Uh, She was a psychologist and she was walking through the park one day thinking about something that was really upsetting to her. And as she was walking through the park, she started watching, looking back and forth at the trees, watching squirrels run around. Her eyes started moving bilaterally. And she noticed, oh my gosh, I feel better about that thing that was bothering me. Is that because I was thinking about it while my eyes were doing this thing? Incredibly observant human, right? Wow. Yeah. She's a psychologist and had all these therapist friends. So she was like, come here, buddy. Let me test something out on you. Think about something that bothers you and follow my fingers as I move my fingers bilaterally in front of your face. So she started testing out on her friends and found that they were reporting, oh my gosh, I feel better. And so she thought, wow, there seems to be something here and dove into a lot of research. And so that was the late 80s and the early 90s. EMDR became EMDR and uh, around... 2010, 2013, I can't remember the exact date, it became recognized as an evidence-based therapy to treat PTSD and for trauma. So EMDR sounds very strange at first. I know when I first learned about it, I was like, what is this thing? You wave your fingers in front of somebody's face and they feel better. That sounds way too woo-woo, even for me. But we've done done a lot of research on EMDR. It's one of the most researched evidence-based therapies because it sounds so strange and it was believed to be controversial in the beginning, but there's some real science behind it. So EMDR is based 
on what we call the adaptive information processing model, which simply asserts that your nervous system is adaptive, it's resilient, it's always trying to integrate your experiences to a point of health and wellness, but sometimes things get stuck. You know, something's overwhelming or really traumatic or super scary or was stressful and like was ongoing, like stressors that never end. And that becomes like too much for your nervous system to process sometimes. And so stuff gets stuck and causes us yuck. And so EMDR identifies what's the stuck stuff? What are the mm. memories that have kind of gotten stuck in your brain and are causing your nervous system to kind of chronically be hijacked? So when those memories get activated, we feel anxiety or we have nightmares or panic attacks. We feel overwhelmed. We feel shut down and depressed. And so EMDR specifically targets those memories with a protocol that Francine developed. And we use bilateral stimulation to really help the nervous system do what it does best, which is to heal. And so it relies on just the innate wisdom of our neurobiology to process and integrate experiences. And we use bilateral stimulation because it's shown to do a couple of important things. So it's kind of similar to what happens in REM sleep. So when we go through REM sleep, we have rapid eye movement. Your eyes are moving bilaterally. And it's believed to be a super, super important part of your sleep cycle that allows you to kind of process and integrate your day and consolidate memory. And so EMDR is believed to start kind of a similar process as REM sleep, but you're fully awake and you're conscious. The other role that bilateral stimulation seems to serve is that in the protocol, your therapist asks you to think about and feel the memory, the stuff that's stuck and causing yuck. And as you're feeling all that yuck and thinking about that upsetting memory, and you're also trying to focus on bilateral stimulation, which could be eye movements, or we've also now learned that it could be alternating tones, or could mm -hmm. even be just bilateral taps, tapping back and forth. Trying to focus on bilateral while you're also trying to focus on the memory is kind of hard to do. It's like a distraction. And research shows that when we think about something that has a high level of emotionality and we're distracted by a task at the same time, the memory kind of breaks. It loses its intensity. And this isn't a, a hypothesis central to EMDR. Like this, this hypothesis had been out there before EMDR was ever developed. And it's been recreated in research labs when people think about something upsetting and they play like Tetris. Like it's hard to think mm. about something while you're also trying to do a dual task. Uh, and so it's, there's some real neuroscience that's going on and EMDR is not, not considered controversial at all anymore. That's so wonderful. So it, how does someone know if they are a good candidate or like if this is something to ask their therapist about or look for a new EMDR therapist in your experience, who are the best, like who, who benefits the most from it? Oh, such a good question. So my really uh, ungratifying answer is I think everybody could benefit from EMDR, but it's just about what your goals are, what you're wanting to work on and kind of the right timing. I mean, we all have stress and trauma that's unresolved and impacting us, whether it's small or big ways. And so mm -hmm. like I've done EMDR multiple times throughout my life on really big traumas and like kind of smaller stressors that I kind of got stuck in and, you know, kind of held up by. So EMDR could be beneficial to anyone, but it's really about, is it the right time? So EMDR can be like kind of a kick your butt therapy. I'm going to be honest. It's like physical therapy for your nervous system. If you've ever been to physical therapy, like mm -hmm. your PT kind of kicks your butt. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's not the most pleasant experience. So EMDR is like some hard work. It requires you to feel emotions. It requires you to think about those memories that are really upsetting. And so sometimes we're just like not in a place in our life that like, I don't have the bandwidth to do that. I don't want to do that right now, whatever that maybe there's like big other stressors going on and it's like, just like not the right time. Yeah. So that's an important piece to think about. And then if EMDR could be a real benefit to you is consider, do you feel like you're kind of chronically held up, hung up on experiences or an experience that it's like, I just feel like I'm stuck here. I've tried other techniques and like those panic attacks still happen. I'm still having the nightmares. I'm still having flashbacks. And if so, EMDR could be a real benefit for you. Now, sometimes we know in EMDR, like I need EMDR because of this specific thing that happened, but sometimes we don't know exactly what the experiences are that have gotten us held up, especially if we have ongoing emotional abuse in childhood or an emotionally abusive relationship. You know, so often we're looking at trauma as like this really acute life-threatening event, like a, a sexual assault or a physical attack. But we know that, that trauma can also be kind of the repetitive, ongoing, smaller experiences that really wreak havoc on our nervous system. So if you feel like I'm stuck in some kind of yuck, I can't move forward, I don't know what the experience is, then finding an EMDR therapist, they'll help kind of suss out what is what are the experiences that seem to be stuck in your nervous system causing all that yuck. So you don't always have to know exactly what it is. That I that was going to be my next question is like I know that for myself for for many clients I've seen it the awareness is of the stress or of the anxiety or of the panic or depression like whatever's presenting but the there's no um, one big thing that like this was the day this is the event that kind of stemmed from it and it is it is it like a fishing expedition like how if someone's listening and they're like i really don't know but this symptom is manifesting like how do you go about identifying what the thing is or things are yeah it is kind of a fishing expedition it's it's like you play detective with your therapist and you, and you just get really curious with your with your therapist and and as you listen to what i share i encourage listeners to not necessarily you're probably going to practice this on your own as I say this, <laughs> but, but do so with an air of caution. And if nothing comes up, just know that it's, it's hard to like do this on yourself sometimes. So an EMDR therapist will identify like what specifically is the stuff that's like that you're getting tripped up on. So I'll use an example for me. And this wasn't like one of my big traumas, but I used to, when I first started dating my husband, he's a big climber. And he wanted us to be like a climbing couple in the gym. And I'd go into the gym. I'm very athletic. I'm like really physical fit. I love to work out. I love to do physical things. But I would go into the gym and all of a sudden I would feel really anxious and I'd feel really small. Like I didn't feel like my adult self. I felt like a little like teenager kind of inside. Mm. I felt really activated. I felt self-conscious. I didn't feel just like good. And it resulted in a couple of arguments and me just wanting to avoid going into the climbing gym. And so I noticed one day when I was standing there, just like what was happening inside, I just had the curiosity of, I wonder if this is about something stuck that's causing me yuck. I'm a therapist. I'm an EMDR therapist. I don't know what it is, but let me go to an EMDR therapist and find out. And so we focused on kind of the worst part for me 
which was standing in the climbing gym, feeling incompetent and just feeling super small inside. And then we used a technique in EMDR called the float back. And the float back, you kind of connect to a recent example of like the yuck stuff and you feel it and you notice all the emotions and the body sensations. You notice kind of what your brain is doing, the thoughts that are coming up. And then you just kind of scan back in your memory networks and time and you identify what else feels similar to this, whether or not it makes sense. And what it went back to, Rachel, is I used to be a gymnast and my sister was also a gymnast. And she was way better than I was. And it created like some sibling rivalry and some jealousy. Now, I did not grow up with parents who were like traumatizing me to be an incredible gymnast. You know, they were like, sure. do what yeah. you want. You know, but, but all of a sudden, like standing in that climbing gym, my nervous system was perceiving all of these similarities to a gym, to an actual gymnasium, like the smells, the chalk yeah. on your hands, the sensations like holds and like the rope is kind of rough like a balance beam and like a vault mm. and like the bars there's similar sounds all the smells right and so all of a sudden i'm standing in this climbing gym as an adult my nervous system is kicking up like this unresolved experience from being a teenager and feeling like i'm not good enough because mm. my sister's better than me and again that was not something i would consider to be traumatic at all it was just really stressful when i was like 14 and I right. didn't feel good enough, right? And so I processed that experience of, of like being a 13, 14 year old gymnast, not feeling good enough. And I didn't turn into like this avid climber. Like I, I just like climbing is not my bag, right? But I didn't go to the gym feeling like I suck. I can't do anything. I'm incompetent. You know, we didn't end up getting in fights. I didn't dread going to the gym. So I was like, yeah, I'll go to the gym with you, but it's not really my cup of tea. Go to yoga with me tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah, that's I love that example because I I think that the way that EMDR can be framed kind of in like the public um, psychology conversation on you know whether it's social media or just uh, amongst people is that you know you have to have this life or death type of event that you then go in and and process and so I love that example because our nervous system can be activated by so many different things and it doesn't matter how quote unquote big or small um the thing is if it's creating discomfort and activation then it deserves to be healed yeah it deserves some time and respect because it's tripping you up it's causing you know some rough edges in your life and i've also done emdr on things that like i know this thing um, my, my father, uh, ended his life by suicide a couple of years ago. And oh, it was I'm kind so of like sorry. a long train wreck of an experience. Um, and there was a specific event that really set all of that into motion. And he did something very, very bad, um, and was facing prison time and he chose to end his life versus going to prison. And so oh, wow. when that big train wreck happens that start started that whole process, that was acute trauma for me. And yeah. I immediately went to an EMDR therapist a week later and I said, this was terrible. Clearly, I don't want this stuck in my nervous system. And I did EMDR on it right away. And while that was still a train wreck that slowly unfolded over a couple of years and ultimately ended in him ending his life, I really believe that getting EMDR just a week after the initial event was like a game changer for me. And while that experience broke me a number of yeah. times, 
it, it gave me the resiliency to get back up. And I think that it really helped to deter my nervous system from developing a more extreme kind of diagnosis, like a panic disorder or anxiety. I have healed from PTSD. I've had PTSD before, so that didn't come back. Um, you know, so I also just want to emphasize that sometimes we do know what it is. And if something has just happened and it's really fresh, you can also get EMDR like right away. Like you can do EMDR kind of immediately after a traumatic event. And research shows that it appears to reduce the likelihood of developing a more significant diagnosis or mental health condition. So early wow. intervention. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And mm -hmm. I, that sounds awful and really hard to go through. Um, and yeah. so I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, it was. But I'm so grateful for EMDR because I lived through it. And yeah. Um, with a lot of resiliency. And I learned a lot about myself in, in that terrible traumatic experience. Yeah. Ugh. If you experience recurrent BV or yeast infections or struggle with vaginal symptoms like odor, discharge, pain with sex, or more, you are not alone. And you should totally test your vaginal microbiome with Evie. Evie has developed the world's first at-home vaginal microbiome test and screens for more than 700 bacteria and fungi with a single swab, including those related to symptoms and infections. Evie also offers free one-on-one -on -one vaginal health coaching and innovative prescription treatment programs developed just for you by a provider. You can order your vaginal health test today at evy.com, that's E-V-V-Y.com, and use code RACHEL10 for $10 off your first test. So it sounds like the research shows that no matter when you go time-wise in relationship to a painful, traumatic, uh, challenging event, that it's helpful. Yes. Yeah. And the research shows that EMDR is, is helpful, not only with PTSD and trauma, but with anxiety. There's some really amazing research coming out on um, its promising uses with depression. Oh my gosh, like that research is incredible. Um, really? it's, yeah, it's shown to be useful with addictions, with disordered eating, with grief and loss, with performance anxiety. Like if you're like, I got to make this big speech and I'm terrified to get on stage, like you, yeah. and the majority of the world, EMDR could help you with that. Um, EMDR is used for recent events. I've also used EMDR quite a bit in my clinical practice with chronic pain. And I don't, I don't understand what it does with chronic pain, but I can say it's nothing but magic sometimes. Um, I've used it with phantom limb pain several times and people's phantom limb pain has just kind of poof, like gone away and resolved. Um, processing just like your relationship to chronic pain, you know, get, get so in your mind, the kind of the, the mind fuckery, right? <laughs> like, yeah. I'm doomed. My chronic pain is my enemy. And even working on kind of that sticky points can help to reduce chronic pain, the experience. So it's, it's pretty powerful stuff. And it all comes back to it. Just, it aligns with the resiliency of your nervous system. That's incredible. Uh, so, okay. I, I want to ask this question on behalf of anyone out there listening who's like, I am not in touch with my nervous system um, and have kind of separated themselves from, from what they're experiencing. What can someone look out for 
in terms of, you know, we're, we're saying things like nervous system activation. And I know exactly what you mean by that because A, I experience it as a human with anxiety, depression, and panic disorder. <laughs> and uh-huh. B, as, as a therapist, just in life and learning. Um, and so I'm curious if you can share with, with everybody listening what they can look for in order to identify that perhaps they are being activated and may not even know? Yeah. Oh, I love this question. So your nervous system is that like the heart of your entire experience. Everything you experience throughout the day, whether it's a cough or a sneeze or a fart, or you feel sleepy or you feel rested or you feel anxious or you feel calm or you feel peaceful, your nervous system has a role in that. Your nervous system filters and perceives and interprets every moment of your day. It allows you to feel feelings. It allows you to feel body sensations, allows you to feel like anxiety and happiness, allows you to feel hunger and thirst. And it, it also allows you to form memories. So your nervous system is kind of like the conductor, the, the like, you know, Oz behind the curtain of all mental health symptoms. So all mental health symptoms, all mental health diagnoses, if you're anxious, it's because of certain kind of flavors of distress that your nervous system is producing. If you're depressed, it's about certain kind of qualities of, of experiences that your nervous system is producing. So when you notice, I feel numb. I feel disconnected from my body. I don't understand. Like I feel numb from my nervous system. That numbness is a product of your neurobiology. When you feel anxious or you're having a panic attack, that is your neurobiology on like full alarm, like five alarm fire meltdown, right? When yeah. you feel depressed and shut down, that's your nervous system moving you into this kind of collapsed and shut down state. And so you don't need to be an expert in neurobiology to receive EMDR to you know just heal, but just starting to look at with the lens of curiosity, how can I understand my symptoms and the things that are tripping me up as like they're products of my neurobiological processes. And I think in that it can be kind of freeing because it's like, I'm not depressed. My nervous system is experiencing something that's producing these qualities of symptoms that we label as depression. Like nothing mm-hmm. is necessarily wrong with you, your nervous system is trying to communicate something to you. And I think when we recognize like it's all my nervous system and these flavors of distress and symptoms are ways that my nervous system is expressing itself. Well, can I get curious about what my nervous system is saying that it needs? So for example, when you get sick, you probably feel the symptoms of sickness and you don't label it as like the scratchy throat is like, I'm a terrible person. I have a scratchy throat, you know, right. like, Oh, I have a scratchy throat. Let me get some cough drops and maybe take some vitamin C and drink some water. I'm getting sick. So if we can see like, Oh, I feel panic. I feel anxiety. I feel depression is like, that's your nervous system expressing what it needs to you as if it was like the cough and the scratchy throat and the watery eyes. And when we can notice those symptoms and all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, what does my neurobiology need? Does it need the vitamin C, which, you know, for mental health might be like, I just need to like snuggle with a pet, right? Or like, does it need the cough drop, which might be, I need to sit down and collect myself and do some like deep breathing to regulate. So when we can see it all as neurobiology, I think it allows us to kind of depathologize ourselves and and all of these dsm mental health diagnoses right they're just all representations of flavors of how your nervous system is functioning oh i love this so much (laughs) thank you um 
So I, I could really talk to you for hours and I know that this is a lot of info for a lot of people. So I want to kind of wrap us up just so that people can go back and listen to this again. Um, I think that this is like a, a rewind <laughs> conversation um, for a lot of folks. So I, I want to wrap us up with if you could leave everyone with one thing, Maybe it's busting a myth that you see a lot. Maybe it's destigmatizing something or normalizing something. Um, but within your work, what do you want to leave everybody with today? Love that question. I think that my little tip that I would leave people with is that the more you can befriend your neurobiology, the better life is going to be. So really examining this, like what we were just talking about, of like, what is she talking about? Everything's about your nervous system and getting really curious about that. Like, what does that mean? And how can I start to see myself and my experiences and my symptoms in a different way? Because when we can befriend our neurobiology instead of, oh my gosh, I'm so miserable. I'm having a panic attack. I'm so anxious. Like, yeah, those are miserable experiences. I'm not like sugarcoating that. Yeah. But instead of getting swept away with it, noticing it with an air of curiosity, like, whoa, my nervous system speaking to me, like I should listen. I think it makes the healing process much easier. And I think it allows us to be a bit more compassionate with our experience. So befriend your nervous system. Thank you for that. We're going to put all of your info in the show notes, but for those who are more auditory learners, uh, where can people find you? Yeah, you can find me in a couple of places. You can find me on my website, RebeccaCase.com. You can also find me at my training website, uh, my training group that I own, which is CaseAndCo.com. You can also find me on Insta at CaseCo.EMDR and CaseAndCo on Facebook. Amazing. Amazing. Well, all of that will be in the show notes. And if you are listening to this somewhere else, um, feel free to look for the reel on Instagram promoting this episode. Um, or just do a do a Google search, you know, all, all the ways that we can find humans these days. Truly, Rebecca, thank you. I, I know um I know that there are gonna be a lot of people who uh really resonate with a lot of what you shared and and taught today. And I'm just I'm so grateful to to have you here and kind of give people a rundown on the power of EMDR. And I I really, really love everything that you said around the depathologizing and like taking away the meaning of something wrong with us. And it's like, yeah, something wrong in the same way that, you know, having a sore throat, there's something wrong, but that doesn't mean any value about us as a human. Amen. Yeah. Thanks for having me. That's all for today, you sexy folks. What questions came to mind as you were listening? Continue the conversation with me over on Instagram at the right underscore Rachel. And don't forget, please leave a rating and a review so that we can continue erasing shame and stigma together.